Welcome to the Cast Flow Revolution Podcast. Get ready for the revolution. Get ready for the revolution. Hello, Cash Flow Revolution family. Welcome back to another episode of the Cash Flow Revolution podcast, where we are on a perpetual revolt from mainstream money mentality. I am your host, MJ Wilson. This is part two of Cracking the 1090 Code. If you hadn't heard part one, you might want to go back and listen to that first. It might help you understand part two a little bit better. Uh, We received some good feedback on part one, and part two might be able to answer some of those questions. We have deep rivers to dive into, so, you know, let's just get to it. First thing I want to say is that I don't know everything. I talk about what I know and what's worked for me. I've done some studying, but I speak primarily from my own experience and what I've seen work in my own life. Maybe you see it differently and have had success with a different method or process, and that's fine. Everything I talk about here, I've proven, but I don't know everything there is to know about any one subject. I want to remind everyone that we here at Cashflow Revolution are serving the people who know that what they're doing isn't working, or they've had success but feel they can do better. If you already know that what you're doing is working for you, then keep doing it. Don't pay attention to us over here. Because here, we're the blue crab warriors, the 1090 code breakers, the ones who will stand up and turn themselves away from mainstream money mentality and all that mainstream mentality for good. Those are my people. The ones who no longer desire to partake of the junk food being absolutely consumed by the masses. Not just about money, but about everything that Triple M decides to use as bait on the hook. My people see this and they're locked in to what's happening over here on the cash flow revolution side. People here want to learn. They're hungry for the food that helps them nourish their 90% behemoth. They like to think and read and study, observe. They're not interested in me telling them what to do. They're above that. They're above being influenced by the magnificently mad monster that mainstream money mentality is. I make no apologies for my take on that. In fact, I feel it's my duty to make light of it. I'm not making fun of any particular person or group of people. You understand that. It's simply the mentality of the masses that I have to challenge. As I say in my book, that's what makes the world go round. If everyone had the exact same thoughts, awareness, and perspective, the world economy would come to a halt. No one would have a need for anyone else's information or feedback. It's a scenario that's hard to even explain because it's very difficult to imagine. Even in a group of people who share the same beliefs, there's still room to learn from one another. Can you imagine a world where no one could be enlightened or enlighten anyone else? Where is the joy or victory in that? So mainstream money mentality, thank you for being such an ugly monster and for thinking your way is the only way. The Cashflow Revolution family has respect for others and their opinions. We may not agree with you, but we respect you. However, the mainstream money mentality machine of magnificent madness has no respect for any other way of thinking, which again sets the stage for the content we produce. Again, I thank you. Let's go back for a little review from part one. Remember, nothing happens without first a thought. 
We here at Cashflow Revolution do not focus on what to do. Doing is part of the process, and we do say, do this at times. However, we begin with the thoughts. We want to know what's behind the beliefs, what's behind the doing. We work with the cause, not the effect. Speaking of cause and effect, mainstream money mentality and media madness have played this cause and effect game for so long that the masses have mistaken the effect for the cause. Triple M has given the masses the do this effect game for so long that the do feels like the cause. You keep doing what you've been trained to believe is right and you're looking for the results they tell you should happen. Nothing happens without first a thought. But whose thought? The problem with the masses who eat up the junk food that mainstream money mentality is serving up is that they've allowed mainstream money mentality to be the thinking behind their doing. Those who have given their thoughts over to Triple M have eaten so much junk food that the healthy food is no longer appealing to them. Some of that healthy food is found inside books. Many people have a hard time reading books. I mean, books that are not written for entertainment purposes. I was one of those at one time, but I have since learned to love reading. I understand there are some who can't read books because of physical conditions and limitations they have to deal with. But for the others, is it possible they don't like to read books because mainstream media madness has conditioned them to accept easy button solutions instead? Look at this. Do they have trouble reading the news? Do they have trouble reading social media posts? Why do you think people have such a hard time reading books, particularly of the educational variety? Could it be because books don't bring the kind of junk food high they're used to? Hey, I know I'm being a little bit tough, and you can thank me later. The good news is you're probably already one of us if you're still here, willing to hang out with me. All right, it's about that time. You're listening to the Cashflow Revolution Podcast. We'll get right back at it after this. All right, we're back. This is the Cashflow Revolution Podcast, where we are on a perpetual revolt from mainstream money mentality. MJ here, and we're back at it. We've had a good discussion so far. Let's just keep it moving. Cracking the 1090 code is what I call it. The whole point of the code is for us to take ownership of our mind so we control what's flowing in so the output is more in line with what we want. I call this the mind flow. If we can own and control our mind flow, the cause, then the ownership and control of cash flow, the effect, will happen more naturally. The key to the ownership and control of your mind flow is to understand the roles of the 10 and the 90. To review, the 10 represents our conscious mind. The 90 represents our non-conscious. The 10% conscious is logical and limited. The 90% is tireless and can handle a virtually unlimited volume of data, tasks, and instructions. The 90 is much more powerful than the 10, but the 10 is the leader. And I'm going to say that again. The 10 conscious must lead the non-conscious 90 in the direction it needs to go. If you heard part one, that may sound like a contradiction. I mentioned a couple of accomplishments due to my 90 leading, not the 10. Let me fix that with a little picture. A horse trainer trains the horse to run. The horse learns to run his race, but still needs a rider to guide him. The horse is much more powerful than the rider, but the rider leads the horse. The 10 pours into the 90, and the 90 carries the 10. It's cause and effect. 
after so much nourishment, the 90 does take the lead, but in the sense that its power takes over the operation and carries us far beyond where we could go otherwise. The 90 still needs leadership and continual nourishment from the 10 to keep it from running wild and into someone else's control. What's plain to see here is that the masses are allowing someone else to lead and control their 90% non-conscious mind. Triple M has taken ownership of their mind and has been leading them like a puppet on a string. You don't have to let this happen to you. You can stop the cycle with one thought. All you have to understand is that your very intelligent 10% conscious mind can think one thought, turn away from that junk food mentality, and immediately take back ownership and control of our 90% non-conscious behemoth. Once we have control, it's up to us how we handle it. Because we all have choices to make about how we run things. And it's all based upon how we decide to think. One of the conundrums we face is how to handle who we love the most. And who we love to please the most. The one we have the hardest time resisting. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. It's our own stupid self. The dark side of ourself who always wants the easiest way to the next point in our journey. In fact, it wants to skip everything that's hard. I've given my dark side stupidity a name. I call him Darquan. Darquan just wants me to know he's there. He always wants the worst things from me. He wants to waste time, sleep in, eat junk food constantly. I mean, he, he wins sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm with you. Let's just watch a movie tired of thinking. You have a Darquan too. Just like the revolt from Triple M, you have to revolt from Darquan. He hates that. He might be quiet for a while, but he will come back to tempt you occasionally. So get used to the revolt. You'll have plenty of opportunities to revolt, whether it's outward from the mainstream mentality or inward from your own best friend, you. Darquan is part of the system that allows thoughts and beliefs to stay hidden inside these old buildings I talk about. Darquan's like, you don't want to get rid of this one. If you destroy this one, you won't get to do that one thing you like to do anymore. And you don't want that, do you? So you got to tell Darquan to sit down and shut up so you can move on about the business you need to take care of. Yes, you have to make sacrifices, but you either want the old you or you want the new you. It's your choice. Neither revolt nor remove is a once-and-done type of proposition. When we're triggered by an event or a memory, we have to go back into the old, dusty, crusty building filled with neural cobwebs and clear out the space for a new thought system. And what does that mean exactly? Let's say you do or say something that you regret. What it means to remove the old building of thoughts and beliefs is to trace your action back to the belief and the belief back to the thought. The thought is what you deal with, not the belief or the action. Too many times I was counseled on what I did wrong, and I tried to stop doing wrong. And guess what? I kept doing wrong. Why do you think that is? Because the thought and belief behind what I did wrong was still there in the old building. The old building has to be gutted and demolished. There was a time in my life when I kept repeating the same action over and over. A very bad habit. Couldn't stop. I mean, I tried to stop, and I did stop for a while, but then I would get triggered by some input, and I would do it again and again. I went to counseling about it. Guess what my counsel said? They said, you need to stop doing this. And of course, I agreed. That's why I'm here. But I wanted even then why they weren't asking me why. Why weren't they digging into the rest of the story? 
But they didn't ask, so I let it go. But why weren't they digging into those thoughts and beliefs behind my action? My guess is that they thought they already knew why. I have this saying, learning is always on the other side of everything we think we already know. So I went away from my counseling sessions with the command to stop doing. You think that worked? I already told you. It went on and on until I finally learned that the action is too far down the line past thoughts and beliefs. Action is an effect. My counsel was treating an effect as if it were a cause by telling me to stop the action, and the cause never got touched. Therefore, the effect never changed. That's why I say we have to remove the old building of thoughts, creating space for new thoughts and beliefs to be established, and inevitably changing the subsequent actions, which is the evolution, creating a continually improved version of yourself. When it comes to matters of the mind, there's no cruise control setting. We have to constantly be aware of what's going on and how we manage it. I call it the mind flow. This is where many people miss it because it's work and there are tough decisions to make. But we have to learn to cut off, shut off, and remove old structures, old habits of thoughts and beliefs to create a space where new thoughts and beliefs can be established. I hope I'm making this clear. And we have to repeat this process. Repeat is an actual element of the process. So as we mentioned in part one, revolt, remove, rebuild, you can add another R word to that set, repeat, because you're going to be doing this over and over and over again. Now for some practical action steps you can use right now. These are quick jolts to help you after your revolt from the mentality of the masses. Since you're still here, I know you're on that revolt, or you're at least thinking about getting one started. All right, let's go. Action step number one. Cut off the triple M inputs that want control of your mind. They want control of that 90% behemoth. You're going to let them have it? Now that you're aware, you'll see these signs everywhere. Then continue cutting off or removing those old structures, the sources of old thought and belief habits. You can't gain the kind of traction you need if you're not willing to go through the remove phase. At some point in the future, when you've become a stronger, more powerful, more tolerant version of yourself, you'll be able to withstand and even influence the environments that contain the mentality you no longer accept instead of being influenced by them. In order for your thoughts to get going in the right direction, you might consider starting with this one. I control my thinking. I control my mind flow. Say that one time or a thousand, whatever it takes for you to believe it. Once you believe it, just keep feeding thoughts over to the 90% behemoth, such as, I love the truth and seek it every day. Or, I love to read for the healthy nourishment of my mind. Action step number two. When our mind is right, we'll change our inputs, primarily what we watch, read, and listen to. That helps us stay in control of our mind flow. Our thinking affects what we put into our mind, and what we put in our mind affects what we think about. It's a mind flow loop that keeps spinning off the inevitable actions based on the inputs. Action step number three. Tell yourself stories about yourself, an improved version of yourself. I tell stories about myself as if someone else is telling them about me. For example, he's a best-selling author and is adept at handling large sums of money. He's a financier for some of the world's most successful organizations. My story is big and I tell it to myself every day. Why do I feed my mind in a third person? The way my mind sees it, if I imagine that someone else is saying these things about me, then I better for sure be that person they're talking about. 
I'm putting pressure on myself, a good pressure, and I feel the need to get moving, which kicks my non-conscious into gear. And if you've done any research about the mind, you've probably read or heard that the non-conscious mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. The non-conscious recognizes feelings and desires and such as signals that what we're feeding it means something to us. Hopefully it means something to us because it's on track with God's big purpose for us. All right, y'all, one last break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Cashflow Revolution podcast, where we're on a perpetual revolt from mainstream money mentality and Darquan. We've talked a little bit about mind flow and how it affects us personally. Let's talk about how it can affect others. I'm talking in terms of leading others. When you crack the 1090 code, you're leading yourself. And if you can lead yourself, you can lead others. Why is that important here? It's important because you'll inevitably be called to lead other people when you crack your own 1090 code. As one who has cracked the code, you have to realize that others are not like you. Some are task-oriented, some are technical, some are creative, and some just don't care. You can't turn them into something they're not and don't want to be. Each one of us is unique with the way we think and the set of talents we've been given. We don't know where someone has come from or where they're going or how fast they're going. We might be leading someone today and they could be leading us tomorrow. We never know whom we're leading, so it's always good to lead our followers with respect. The best objective for a leader, in my opinion, is to become a continually improved version of him or herself and, in the process, be an example to their followers. None of us are our finished product, and all of us are capable of falling. That's why it's so important that we're always on the revolt, removing old thought structures, rebuilding new ones in their place, and repeating that process over and over again. If we can lead ourselves, we can lead others. That means staying on top of our thought game. However, if we choose to give in to every random whim and desire that sneaks in, we won't be fit to lead others for very long. Choices and action based on thoughts and beliefs. At some point, our choices will get us if we don't keep a check on our thoughts. While I was with Mr. Grayson, the business and real estate mogul, the person I talked about on part one and in my book, I was on my game. There were tons of celebrities and dignitaries with whom he had relationships. He introduced me to famous politicians, TV personalities, restaurateurs, and investors. He took me to luncheons and VIP events where he introduced me as his business partner. He included me in his decision-making process before he spent some cool millions on a private jet, a mansion, and another exotic vehicle. All of his people knew my name. When I called, they answered their phone. When I dropped by their offices, they stopped what they were doing to see me. Eventually, they would call me for advice on their business or investment ventures, and Mr. Grayson encouraged that. Several of his clients would tell me how blessed I was to work directly with him and that the experience was worth at least the equivalent of a master's degree in business. I was definitely on my game. Then I got content, thinking I had arrived and had it made. So I relaxed, put myself on cruise control. Next thing I knew, I was out. (laughs) You can read about that and what happened next in the book, Cashflow Revolution. Leadership is like a tight wire walk, and it comes in different flavors. It isn't something you take lightly, and definitely not something you can ever say that you have all figured out. All right, let's shut this thing down for today. Thank you, as always, for stopping by. Send your emails with all the questions. Ask me anything. 
I look forward to hearing from you. Let's talk more later. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Cashflow Revolution Podcast. Nothing contained herein may be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. The Cashflow Revolution Podcast host and its guests do not and cannot guarantee the success of any financial strategy. Please send your questions via email, questions at mycashflowrevolution.com, questions at mycashflowrevolution.com.